You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Mailbag Podcast, the first one of the 2019 NFL season. I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano, and I'm joined by Charlie Bevins. Charlie and I are in the same class here at DePaul, writing for DePaul. Yeah, it keeps us on our toes for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, we decided, hey, why not bring back the audio mailbag? And obviously, after the Bears lost, you know, just last week and how they lost, there's going to be a lot of negative questions, so just uh, want to prepare everybody for that. But we're going to start this off, and of course, the first question is about Mitch Trubisky. Here it is. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Joey. Um, so uh, my question is, what do you really, what do you think is wrong with Trubisky? Is it the O line? Is it Nagy? Is it both? Or is this just the guy that we drafted in in the first round of 2017? Is this the guy that every 31 team laughs at us for taking is this our quarterback because I'm just extremely frustrated with that performance as probably every Bears fan is and I just have no idea what the problem with Trubisky is like my guess it's the O-line and it's Nagy or it's both but what do you guys think thanks guys Joey that's the question that I don't think anybody has an answer to um especially with Mitch Trubisky coming into the 2019 season Everyone just expected this jump to happen at some point, just knowing the offense, having Matt Nagy as a coach for his second year, having all the weapons that he can possibly have and want as a quarterback has just not come to fruition here for Trubisky. And so I I think it's just maybe Matt Nagy gave him too much over the offseason, just trying to get in Bourbon A, just trying to implement all these – the 202 offense is what what we've been hearing about, that he's you know learned it or has a grasp of it. Well, we haven't seen that. He can't even get RPOs correctly. So there isn't, I think, a clear indication of what is wrong with Trubisky. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that we're going to have to see as the season plays on. But, Charlie, what are your thoughts on what is wrong with Trubisky? So, like you said, this 202 thing, we kept hearing in uh, the offseason that he's got it all together. We can put way more on his plate now. And then – by the end of the first week of the season, it's, okay, we may have given him too much. That's not what you want to hear. That's a bad sign because that means Nagy can't do everything that he wants to do, and that limits ev- obviously everything you can do offensively. He kind of asks multiple questions within that question. Is it Trubisky? Is it Nagy? Is it the offensive line? The answer is yes to everything, really. Trubisky, the accuracy issues that have plagued him since he came into the NFL haven't fix themselves whatsoever his footwork is constantly brought up by both media Nagy and himself you'd think that at some point that would start to fix itself as well but you know I always saw him as a quarterback that could be helped maybe he isn't maybe he is and he's just not getting that help right now the offensive line has been 
dramatically worse this season than last season. I think that's been obvious to this point. Additionally, you know, Nagy's getting guys open. Trubisky a lot of times isn't hitting them, but there is a balance that he's missing. You don't want to be – this is a pass-first league. It's 2019, but at the same time, that doesn't mean you should be pass-only. The Cardinals are running the ball more often <laughs> and more effectively than the Bears are, and they have Cliff Kingsbury from Texas Tech as their head coach. It's it's a lot of things, but, you know, that also isn't meant to excuse Trubisky. You know, they're, they're I think, are, are at their best when they're able to use Allen Robinson out wide and they can work – in the middle of the field with Cohen and with, you know, their tight ends. Cohen right now is just being used for checkdowns, and that's probably a reflection of what Nagy thinks he can do with Trubisky. But at the same time, I tweeted about how they're paying all this money. They have all this draft capital and money. In- what does it mean to be locally owned and operated? For Cenex, it means everything. It means that we know if you take your coffee to go or if you like to stay a while. It means we've helped Little Leagues get jerseys and local festivals get funding. It means we know what our communities need. So you'll always leave Cenex with a full tank, full of snacks, or full of smiles. Or all of the above. And that means the world to us. Cenex. Powered locally. Invested into their tight ends to be those guys that can stretch the middle of the field. And they've been non-existent this year. Yeah, they have been non-existent. And you made a good point where... Is Trubisky at this point of his career where Matt Nagy only feels comfortable calling certain plays, which is limiting what this offense can or can't do? And, and you see it. This offense is in the bottom five, really, in every offensive category that you look at. Points scored, rushing, passing, everywhere where you don't want to be, and you definitely don't want to be associated with the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, or teams like that on offense. But that's what's happening. That's what's happening with Trubisky. And it's only we're, only time will tell if he can actually get things right. I don't think it would have been, I guess, maybe smart to think that he would actually have a good game against the Saints coming off an injury. You saw what happened last year. The Rams, he threw three interceptions. He arguably had a worse game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone's kind of off the Trubisky bandwagon after this game. But rightfully so because we just haven't seen any type of progression whatsoever in his game and it's just from the basic fundamentals you should know where to look at an rpo you should know where your feet should be you should know your reads you shouldn't come off a read because he's not open and then you're, you're just left with no options so it's a bunch of different problems with Trubisky, and they're all being highlighted because the bears are now losing if the bears had won yes maybe you're you still have to figure things out but now that they're losing this three and three charlie is not the same three and three that the Bears no, were at last not year. Even close. Not even close. And that's why everything is just being highlighted a little bit more, but rightfully so. Trubisky has not been good this season, and we don't know what's going to happen with him. We have a couple more questions later in the show about, you know, what could be some options. But we'll get to our, our second question of the day, and it's about, well, did Trubisky lose the locker room? Here we go. Hey, Chicago Audible, it's Cass from Twitter. Uh, got a question. Do you guys think that Mitch has lost the locker room at this point? And has Coach Nagy lost the locker room at this point? Thanks, guys. You know, that's a good question, and I can see where it's coming from right now, especially just that image of the entire team getting booed off the field. And booed for much of the game, it can conjure up images of what happened in 2014 when – Trustman completely lost the locker room. Everybody seemed to be turning against Cutler. But 
they're still very supportive of Trubisky to the media. And that, that's not just Nagy because that is his job. But, you know, you saw Tariq Cohen right after the game said, that's my guy. You know, there, there isn't uh, a lack of respect that's being shown at least publicly right now for Trubisky or for Nagy. Having said that, I'm sure the players are really frustrated right now with their quarterback. And, you know, if David Montgomery is really annoyed that he's not getting the ball, that's probably part of it. And I'm empathetic to that. He should be getting the ball more. But, you know, I think Nagy has Nagy solidified his role as not only a play-calling head coach, but, you know, to get cliche here, as a leader of men. And they really liked him last year. And it seems that he earned a lot of equity with that team last year and how they rallied around him and got to the playoffs. I don't think that goes away because of three really bad losses. Um, so I, I think we're still a, kind of far away from that as far as the head coaching goes. Players getting frustrated with Trubisky. Again, they're not taking, they're not dragging him through to the media, but you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of saw that start to reveal itself in the way they play. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, I wonder if Trubisky was invited to the players only, you know, uh, meeting that they had. There. I'm sure he was, and I, he alluded to that in the conference, uh, in his press conference today. But I wouldn't say that Trubisky or Nagy have, have lost the locker room. There's a lot of Nagy has always talked about high culture guys, and I think this this locker room for the Bears does have that. And three and three, we just said it's not the same three and three. But there's, they could still salvage this season. It doesn't look like that. It looks like it's going downhill from here. But they have the right people in this locker room to prevent like a Mark Tressman esque kind of situation where people were, you know, going behind each other's backs and things were being said to the media. That's not happening yet. So let's not say that they've lost. I wouldn't say that they've lost the locker room. This is still this is a team that won 12 games, went to the playoffs last season. Matt Nagy needs to get this offense correct. That's going to solve a lot of problems because obviously this is affecting the defense and their play. But you start putting together wins, all this chatter about this doubt, they like to say, you know, keeping the outside noise out, that will help if you win. So I wouldn't say that Trubisky or Nagy have lost the locker room. They definitely have to start winning to change the narrative that's going on in Chicago right now. But for right now, I still think they have a grasp of the situation. Trubisky needs to play better. The offense needs to play better. That will help solve any of the kind of doubt that's circulating, if there is. And like you said, Charlie, it definitely could be, especially it's just not being brought up to the media. But you just got to wonder if these guys just really trust in Trubisky at this point. Yeah, I mean, they're humans at the end of the day. And as we are frustrated watching him play, I'm sure Cleo Mack gets frustrated watching him play. How could you not really? But at the same time, I – High character guys is thrown around in, you know, sort of a cliche sense, but that really is part of this culture that they've built there in Chicago. It's they kind of have, like I said, the equity from Matt Nagy with this team that he's not going to have everybody turning against him because he refuses, you know, to put Chase Daniel in or something like that. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Again, some wins will solve this, some losses will only make it worse. Let's hopefully. It doesn't go that direction. So our third question, and of course, it's still about Mitch Trubisky. We're just going to let it play out, and Charlie and I will give you our answer. Hey, Chicago Audible. I know this will probably be a common question this week, but if Mitch doesn't get his stuff together and he is out of Chicago next season, if you were Ryan Pace, 
would you go for Marcus Mariota, Cam Newton, one of the Jags quarterbacks, a drafted quarterback, or any other option on the market? That's a interesting question, one that's being brought up, it seems like, everywhere in you know, the sports journalism world here. But, Charlie, before we even you know, started recording for this podcast, we said that either one of those options are not good options to have. These, this shouldn't be – if you're going into these guys specifically, it's probably not going to be a much better spot than where you're at right now with, with Trubisky. Marcus Mariota was a guy that Ryan Pace really liked and you know had things maybe played out. That could have been the Bears quarterback. He's being benched right now. For Ryan Tannehill, who was a guy that was also benched. He's about to break out. Yes, <laughs> maybe. But just these, the guys that you, they're in the position that they are right now is because obviously something's wrong. But I think if, you know, just to give my, my two cents here about what the Bears might do, I don't think they go get Mariota. I doubt that the Panthers are going to, you know, maybe turn away from Cam mm-hmm. Newton. I think it's going to be something where you look at maybe a draft pick. Um, the Bears do have that second-round draft pick. They probably are looking at guys. Maybe Ryan Pace is maybe making phone calls right now. But if I had to you know, put my money on it, I would say the draft. But here's the thing with that. Now you're bringing in, let's say you go draft a young quarterback, a high pick, a second-round draft pick that the Bears do have next season. Now you have to wait for a guy to develop. Mm-hmm. That window to win is only so big. And if you have this defense, this you know, top-five defense, and you're waiting for a young quarterback to come in and try to, you know, learn an offense, be the guy that at least you need him to be just to get this team to be able to win, you're just wasting your opportunity. But I think that's just how it might play out. It, again, you're hoping that Mitch Trubisky somehow can salvage this season, Matt Nagy can get the most out of him. But if those are your options moving forward, I, I'm just not very, uh, I guess, optimistic about what the Bears could be with any of those guys. You raise a hugely important point with the window. This team was supposed this team was designed contractually to win by 2021. That's when Tariq Cohen and Eddie Jackson get expensive. Allen Robinson is a free agent then. Danny Trevathan is a free agent after this year, I believe. Leonard Floyd's fifth year option is for 2021. This is what happens when you go all in on the wrong rookie quarterback. You end up with a very expensive team, a very good team, but with the wrong quarterback. And so, like you said, you don't really have the time to develop a quarterback, even if you're able to get one in the top 10, which I'm not sure if they'd be able to because they don't have a third or a fourth next year, and they obviously don't have next year's first from the MAC trade. They'd have to sacrifice, I mean, both their seconds this year and likely a future first so again you're kind of burning through all this draft capital that you burn through to get in this position by 2021 to win a Super Bowl and that's just sort of the danger of this I think so for me this is a deep draft class quarterback wise and you kind of look across the league there aren't most teams seem to have a plan at quarterback but again you know Tennessee is going to need a without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Quarterback, 
Tampa Bay is going to need a quarterback. As teams find out what they have at the position, maybe Washington moves on from Haskins. There ends up being more quarterback needy teams at the end of the season than I think a lot of us expect. And it seems like the Bears are going to end up in that category. So it's going to be even more expensive to move into a position to draft, you know, not even Tua because he'll probably go number one, but, you know, a Jalen Hurts, a Joe Burrow as he's ascended throughout this season, Justin Herbert. I don't think they have the draft capital to get into the position to draft those guys. So what do you end up looking at? You kind of have to go to the bargain bin with, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Andy Dalton. I don't think Cam Newton's going to be available because I think a healthy Cam Newton is still gives Carolina a better chance than a healthy Kyle Allen. But, you know, Robert Mays wrote a really good story about Andy Dalton and how to, he's the ultimate byproduct of situation. For me, if I was going to throw a name out there, it would be Andy Dalton. Again, you're not picking from a huge, glorious batch of names, but the fact that he was able to succeed so well almost became an MVP because he had they're talking about that roster that roster was absolutely stacked they had Tyler Eifert before he got hurt mm-hmm. was hurt all the time AJ <laughs> Green Muhammad Sanu and Marvin Jones and you know he was good enough to execute it to take advantage of that his ceiling isn't as high as what you might be able to get with a draft pick, but his floor is a lot higher than Trubisky's. So that if there was a specific name, I think he would be kind of the first that comes to my mind. You know, and you mentioned, like, with a right supporting cast. Well, the Bears have that. The Bears do have the exactly. right supporting cast. So if you bring in a guy like Andy Dalton, if that's maybe the route the Bears want to take, you know, at least you have the foundation set. Everything else is set for him to succeed. Still, offensive line needs to be better, but you have Absolutely. receivers. You have an, you have a couple running backs. And I'm, a guy like Andy Dalton who's been in the league for a little bit now can probably take advantage of that. I don't know if you've heard about this, Charlie, but, you know, Tom Brady, <laughs> uh, I think his house went up for sale. My friend texted me about that. <laughs> uh, it's just, again, <laughs> anything with quarterback-related and helping the Bears is going to be thrown out in this direction. He and Giselle are like real estate moguls, apparently. They like love buying and flipping properties. So his his oh, okay. he always has houses going up on the market. I think I heard this on the Bill Barnwell show. Um, but yeah, that was just uh, like something that they're really into that always gets way blown out of proportion because he's constantly buying and selling properties. So Charlie, did you just destroy all Bears fans' dreams of getting Tom Brady just now, <laughs> just with the realization that he does just like to flip houses? I hope I didn't. I hope those <laughs> dreams didn't exist. But if I did, I apologize. That's all right, Charlie. So we're going to stick with the offense for now our fourth question. But it, guess what? It's not about Mitch specifically. It's still about the offense. Here we go. So, guys, first off, I just wanted to say your last post game was maybe the best post game I've watched on your channel. I thought Nicholas especially did a great job. Well, nice job, too. But my question is, what do you guys think is the solution to this terrible O-line? Because I don't think all of the blame is on Trubisky. I think that some of it is, but there's obviously a problem there with the O-line. Thanks, guys. You know, that's that's probably the most confounding question so far this year. I think the defense has done a lot of what we expected. Still very good, 6 in DVOA, but not as fantastic as they were last year. But the offensive line was supposed to be a strength and was part of the calculus in Trubisky taking at least somewhat of a next step. And it's been a mess so far. They they made that switch with James Daniels, or, yeah, James Daniels. I always confuse a Daniel and Daniels <laughs> now. With James Daniels and Whitehair at centering guard, and 
you know, I don't think that's the only reason for it, but the center is responsible for a lot of the communication along the offensive line. They're they're missing blitz pickups. They're getting confused in a lot of their stun assignments. Um, I can't really speak to the nitty gritty of this, but it, it's sort of one of those un, those things I don't really have an answer for. You know, it's how has this happened? Charles Leno, I believe, is second in the league in holds, or at least he was two weeks ago. Um, it's really kind of shocking how big of a step back the offensive line took. Yeah, absolutely, because this is the group coming into the season that had the most continuity. Yes, you switched the position, center guard, Daniels, and Whitehair, but that was the core group there. You and had, that was the plan, too. Absolutely, yeah, that was the plan, and yet you see – and after six games into this season, this group is just not playing the same. I know Matt Nagy, after the game against the Raiders in London, he talked about these guys winning their one-on-one matchups. Just kind of watching the tape that I've seen, that still has not happened. I think they got better, actually, uh, a little bit better against uh, the Saints last week in terms of pass blocking and um, just blocking in general. But obviously the holes aren't there for for the running backs. So, it's it's a culmination of a bunch of different things, but maybe you just got to get Harry Heastan, who's renowned as being one of the better offensive line coaches in the NFL or just in football in general. I don't know if it's happening or if it isn't, but just ask him, what do you like? Matt Nagy needs to go to Harry and just ask him, what do you feel most comfortable with with your offensive lineman doing at this point in the season? Because obviously they're not playing to the standard that I guess people are used to, and you put Rashad Coward in there, and Charlie, you mentioned it before we went live here. He he's been playing; he was playing pretty good against against the Saints. Obviously, the group didn't, but I think you just need to start asking around. Harry, uh, you know, uh, Harry Heastan knows obviously what good offensive line football looks like. Just maybe get some pointers there. This is still, you know, only Matt Nagy's second season at this whole head coaching thing, and obviously you bring these core guys, these assistant coaches in for a reason to kind of help you out with these situations that you're in but yeah I don't have the exact answer Matt Nagy doesn't have the exact answer we're not going to have the exact answer but it needs to get fixed because if you can run the football it just takes so much more pressure off of Mitch Mm -hmm. maybe he feels more comfortable looking to anybody that's not Allen Robinson because he knows he has time so yeah the offensive line is definitely the biggest I would say other than obviously the Bears being awful, just completely off on offense, that's like the biggest surprise for me, right. just seeing how they played. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of nuance that we don't really see in an offensive line in terms of how they communicate with their quarterback, be it you know checks at the line of scrimmage or, you know, Trubisky seems like one of those quarterback. They're quarterbacks that are just kind of hard to block for. Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, they're hard to block for because they're unpredictable in what they're going to do once they reach the top of their drop. You know. Trubisky isn't as uh, hectic of a uh, hectic in a good way mm-hmm. uh, of a runner as those guys, but he is one of those quarterbacks who, at the top of his drop, you're not really sure if he's gonna step up or slide in the right direction, or if he's gonna break pocket immediately. And that was one of the biggest differences you saw once Chase Daniel entered the game against the Vikings, where you know he would have those once he reached the top of his drops, there was a comfortable pocket around him I wonder if the idea of Trubisky's sort of unpredictability as a passer and a runner 
kind of changes how an offensive lineman blocks for him, if that is kind of in the back of their head. Yeah, and we don't know if Mitch Trubisky is going to hand the ball off in an RPO or completely miss his exactly, assignment. And exactly. one of these offensive linemen are six yards downfield, and had he completed a pass, it would have been a legal man downfield anyway. We don't know about Mitch Trubisky. Baldinger is one of the ultimate Trubiskaholics, too, and he's he's turning on him. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like any of the Mitch Trubisky supporters, and, I, you know, before the season, I, I was thinking – you know, highly about Mitch and just what I kind of saw in, in Bourbonnet when I was there and just from last season, yes, maybe things are going to turn the corner. We're going to get this huge jump from him, and it just hasn't come to fruition yet. And, you know, a question that wasn't about Mitch, of course, turns into Mitch. That's how it goes yeah, here. exactly. Here, Charlie. <laughs> but now we're actually going to switch sides here and go. We finally get a question about the defense that over the past two weeks has not played the same. Here's the question. This is Bobby from Fort Myers, Florida. Do you think the reason the defense hasn't been performing is not so much that they've regressed, but the fact that they play almost every game while the offense is three and out on most drives? That's kind of how I feel about it. They're not going backwards. They're gassed every game, third quarter. You know, that's actually an interesting question because I think it can play both sides here. I, I do think that the offense being as bad as it has been, you know, through the first seven weeks of this 2019 NFL season has definitely affected them. They're on the field a majority of the time, and to expect this defense to you know pitch shutouts or to play consistently as good in the first quarter as they you know enter the fourth quarter, I think is unrealistic. Yes, the best defenses can do that, but if you're consistently relying on one side of the ball or just to you know carry more weight, carry the entire weight of the team, you're going to see lapses. So, yes, I agree with you there, but also you see individual players on this defense that I think have just not have shown up like we've seen last season. Eddie Jackson last year was being talked about as an MVP for a couple of weeks. The guy's without an interception right now. And I know maybe teams are just wanting to throw maybe away from him. That's fine. But I expected Eddie Jackson to take more of a, you know, even more of a step this season uh, just because of the player that he is. Roquan Smith. Yeah. Whatever is happening with him, ever since that situation, you could see it on the field. There was a third down and two, third down and three, where Teddy Bridgewater escapes. Khalil Max about, uh, you know, just misses a sack, but he's running towards the first down marker. Roquan Smith is chopping his feet, breaking down, not going at Teddy. He's allowing Teddy to come to him. He gets he gets the first down. That shouldn't be happening with Roquan Smith, who had a phenomenal rookie season, but. Whatever is going on with him, you could see it's happening on the field. So, yes, I, I see it both ways. I also saw some, you know, broken coverages in that game against the Saints. It was the first touchdown that the Saints had. The tight ends open in the flat. Nobody's even there. So there are bits and pieces that can, are definitely affecting this defense. I think if you have a better offense, it kind of covers things up. What do you think, Charlie? So last season they were third in possession time in the NFL this year they're 23rd so I do think I do think it does play a factor in the fact that they're on the field all game How, your point about Roquan I think is really important because I think it does sort of represent in general what's happened with this team where they're just not as crisp and perfect at everything as they pretty much were last year they you know we're, we're not here to speculate about anything that went on with Roquan Smith off the field, but he played like a missile the first couple weeks. And ever since what happened 
with this off the field stuff, he really hasn't been the same player. Um, you know, Akeem Hicks is obviously a monstrous part of both their pass rush and their run defense, uh, a run defense that's given up 100, over 150 yards the last couple weeks. I think when you lose Adrian Amos, some guy, a guy who is really good at stopping the run, uh, was almost like another linebacker you had. When you lose him, it becomes a little bit more difficult to stop the run, and then that's just made even worse when you don't have Akeem Hicks for these past couple weeks and until what looks to be week 15. Not having Hicks also makes Khalil Mack a lot easier to block. You can send more bodies to him, and it's easier to get the ball out super quickly like the Saints and especially the Raiders did. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of factors. I think just natural regression of not everybody being – like I said, as crisp as they were last year, that happens. That's, you know, as they say, that's football. But they're, uh, the offense hardly being on the field and, you know, as soon as the defense makes a stop, running off the field and going, okay, we're going to be out here four plays later, that has to play some sort of role in it. Again, these guys are human. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I think, you know, a lot of people were just talking about regression in this defense and – I think for the most part they've done a pretty good job under Chuck Pagano coming in, taking They're up. six in DVOA. They're still a really yeah. good defense. And they have the playmakers there. It's just you see some of these uh, aspects of it kind of get exploited. When you take out an Akeem Hicks, when you are out there for as long as they've been out there having to compensate for an offense, they can't really do much right now. So, yeah, it goes both ways. Um, I think that's the least worry I have about this Bears team is that defense because you have – a majority of those same guys there, like new guys like Buster Screen have fit in. You Screen's know. played really well yeah, this season. He, you wouldn't even know Bryce Callahan wasn't on this team anymore because of the play that Screen has uh, you know, been showing so far. But, yeah, so that's our you know takes on what is kind of going on with this defense. I think, like we both said, we're not too worried about them. They, they have a lot of playmakers there. So we're going to go to our last question. I don't even know if there's a question in here, but we're going to let it play out. Here, Charlie. So here we go. Hey, man. I think everybody needs to relax just a little bit and remember that we are three and three. We're not, you know, one and five, one and six, or zero oh and seven, or zero oh and six, anything like that. So people need to realize that we got to give Mitch the rest of the season. We have to give him the rest of the season because, I mean, who else are we gonna go to? Nobody's available on the trade market. We need to need to keep our draft capital. We'll stick with Mitch. Chase Daniel is not the answer. We win and lose with Mitch, so that way we know for a fact what we have, like, solidified. So everybody just calm down. We got the Chargers next week. We can win that game. We got Philly. We can win that game. And then we get Detroit. They're all 1 o'clock games at that. This will be our first stretch of 1 o'clock games for the season. We can win those games. And before you know, we can be 6-3. and three. That's me just having wishful thinking, even with the way Mitch has played. But more importantly, we, Matt Nagy has to commit to the run. There's no way in the world you can win a game running seven times. You can't do that. So this is more on Nagy than it is Mitch. Plus, Mitch was coming back from injury. So there should have been some rust expected from him. So, you know, when he keeps missing, you know, the throws to open receivers, but, you know, we got to give him the benefit of the doubt, like, hey, he, he didn't miss. He didn't miss two games, and he's not running like he used to because he's afraid of getting even more injured. But I think we'll be okay, man. Six and three, I do see it as for the next three games. The worst case scenario, we lose to Detroit. You know, I 
I kind of want to hold back on saying worst case scenario is just a loss to the Lions. Worst case scenario of these next three games is 0-3. That it is on the table, at least for me. You know, the Eagles are kind of in a lot of turmoil right now, but I don't think the Bears are kind of built to take advantage of what they're weak at, and that is that dreadful secondary because they can't pass the ball. Even against Washington, they really couldn't pass the ball other than the yeah. second quarter. They yeah. had a good second quarter. Then the Chargers, you know, Chargers are very banged up right now. Chargers are also kind of amidst uh, what appears to be a lost season. But, again, that's still a talented team. I am never one to count out Phillip Rivers. And the Lions have been good this year. The Lions are a bad call and just weird general lionness away from <laughs> being, what is it, 4-1? and one? What are they, 2-2-1 two, two and one right now, last in the division? Yeah, so they're 2-3-1. and one. But, again, they're – you know, weirdness away from being a uh, 4-2-1 team. And that's, you know, an 0-3 stretch here, I don't think it's off the table. I don't think it will happen, but, you know, this Chargers team is very beatable. This Eagles team is very beatable. The Lions team is very beatable. But they're also losable. And <laughs> that's kind of where I would have pause with just assuming that they'll get out of this 2-1, and 1-2, and two, whatever. There is... Uh, real worry that I think exists in these next three games. And these are the three most important games of Nagy's still pretty young coaching career. Yeah, because if you were to lose these next three games and you already hear the talk, this outside noise, imagine how much louder that's going to be if you go on a losing streak. Most likely a quarterback change would have been made. It would be five losses in a row. Five losses in a row, that would not look good for the Bears. But I will say this, you, um, with, with your question or with uh, how you stated things, you are looking at, you know, this is a half-glass-full kind of situation. And maybe it is. The, let's see what Matt Nagy can do to right the ship. He's shown, you know, especially in that, that first year, even though he didn't go through so – here's the thing, though. He didn't go through much adversity. Right. In year one. Now there's there's plenty the of The honeymoon it. is over. The honeymoon is over. So for Matt Nagy, these like like Charlie said, you can you could beat all three of these teams. It's quite possible. And you can just as easily lose all three of these games because And they have the Rams after this stretch. So it doesn't get any easier. So if you're gonna take advantage of any part of your schedule with the teams that are coming up you have to do it because if not, this it doesn't get any easier for the Bears. Look, they took after their bye week, Charlie, they came out and played the way they did against the Saints. They're, you only get one week now for each team. What makes you think that Matt Nagy can possibly game plan you know, ahead for some of these other teams that are coming up? I see that you – is that the schedule that you got up over there? These are the standings, but I did just have the schedule up. So it's – there's no guarantee, but, you know, for Bears fans' sake, we hope – that he, they do go in the right direction here, and that Matt Nagy just runs the ball some more. They find ways to run the ball more effectively. This opens up play action for Mitch. Can yeah, you know, I think that's important. Let's not just run the ball to run the ball. You know, there should be some efficiency uh, consideration. But at the same time, you know, this is a very different three and three. As you said, Nagy is getting criticism that he didn't get last year. You know the biggest difference is expectations this team last year you know let's just get to eight and eight let's be average let's be better than what we were under the fox 
you know, coaching tenure. They make the playoffs and are uh, a kicker away from being in the divisional round. And now you have those expectations. Now you have a defense that can win you a Super Bowl. Now you have an offense that is supposed to be more advanced. And both the defense has taken a step back and the offense has taken a step back. It's very different three and three. And, you know, I don't know what the solution is. There are so many problems right now that need to be addressed. But, you know, like you said, benching Chase Daniel or benching Trubisky for Daniel, that's waving the white flag on your franchise quarterback. That's generally something you do in the offseason. That's not really what you do during the regular season, especially when the backup doesn't give you give you any better of a chance to win. We have a lot of empirical evidence that suggests that. So, yeah, this is an extremely crucial three-game stretch. And really, the way the NFC has been and the way that division is right now, you're going to be fighting with – you're going to be jockeying with the Seahawks, the Rams, the Vikings, and the Panthers for that wild-card spot. I don't want to say you have to go 3-0 because the NFL is a weird sport and any of those teams could all of a sudden find themselves on a losing streak as well. But to be in the position that you're in right now, you're going to have to win some – you're going to have to win games you're not supposed to win. And whether that's, you know, the Chiefs game, if that's the Rams game, you're also going to have to pick up those easy wins. So, look, this is a really important three-game stretch, and there really isn't any other way to say it. You know, I hope they win that Chiefs game. I will actually be at Solar Field to witness that and see what happens there. But, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. We'll see how Matt Nagy actually comes out after taking, you know, the worst loss of his coaching career against the Saints – and now see if he can right the ship, like I said earlier, against a Chargers team that is struggling. This is a part of the schedule where, you know, you win these games. Your look, your outlook on the season is definitely a lot more hopeful than it would be coming out with losses at, at this stretch. Like those teams that you mentioned, the Rams, even though they've been a little inconsistent, the, the Seahawks, those are teams that when you're, you're looking at this team, the Bears right now and those two, I don't have much confidence in those games but like you said it's this is a sport where really it's again the cliche any given sunday can happen so we'll see what happens but this is going to wrap it up for you know this first edition of the chicago audible mailbag podcast and of course if you have questions for future you know episodes make sure you call and leave a voicemail at 872-240-4007 and that number again is 872 872- Two four zero four zero zero seven. Charlie and I are planning on doing this for the rest of the way here, yep. and we'd love hearing your questions. Hopefully, things are on a you know a brighter note coming into next week if the Bears can pull off a win against the Chargers. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Thanks. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, 
Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.